This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. It is Kenny and Heilprin. It is a Tuesday. We are back. Mordecai stock shares are flying off the shelves. And we're back to some some longo offensive weather, Zach Heilprin. What's up? What's going on, man? It's been it's beautiful out there. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. The sun's going to go down after I drive home today, which is tremendous. And honestly, I was driving in and seeing the beauty. I had my windows down. One of my first thoughts was, this is this is whether you could put up 60 in. This is whether you could air it down the field. Buffalo comes to town. You're playing a Mac team. And just for flair to get the hype going, probably it'll be close to sold out at Camp Randall. Just for flair, they go put a 70 burger on just it. Drop 60 or 70 on them? Admit, like, that's how you keep the energy going. Because they'll face some real teams going later. And, and I don't know if Buffalo's any good. But the weather's going to be like it is now. They're going to put points on them. They're going to put points on them. They're going to come out. It's They're like dormant, kind of. It's spring ball, so, th- so they can't actually play. But they're like some, some dormant grass that as soon as it gets to a certain point in the year, just bl- just blossoms and goes crazy, and it's growing uncontrollably. Those that's are, what the offense feels are, like to me. That, that's weeds that, well, sure. that, that grow uncontrollably. Grass has to be a type of weed. Uh, weeds have to be a type of grass. It's yeah. just not a grass you want. I was thinking like a... a, a like, yeah, like dandelions just sprouting everywhere and you can't stop them type of thing. Sure. Scoring points like you can't just like nothing. I've always thought dandelions are quite beautiful. They are not when it's your own lawn. I don't have a lawn. Yeah. I They're, like looking at dandelions. So, but, a, but a, I know this is well, so, 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 so stupid, so stupid. <laughs> but we bought a house uh, in 2021. Last spring, I got up one morning. It was green out. I got up the next morning and it was pure yellow everywhere. And I'm like, what the hell happened? Um, so I, I spent, uh, so what'd you do? I sprayed and killed them all and, uh, didn't have to deal with them for the rest of the, the summer. And now I'm feeling like I'm going to wake up Saturday morning and they're going to be all back and I'm going to have to deal with them again. Pre, you can, you can deal with them by pre, you know, uh, doing yeah, but it, who would, but who would do that? Not me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm more of a reactionary person. Yeah. I don't imagine myself doing that either. So you'd pay somebody to do it. No, no, I would do it, but I would do it after it was a problem. Yeah. I fill my time doing far stupider things than clipping dandelions. Why? I've never clipped a dandelion in my life. Okay, sure, then spraying the dandelions. Yeah. I would go clip them just so I feel like I'm, I'm doing something. But anyway. Clipping doesn't do anything because it's the, it's the... It's the root? Yes. I, yeah, again. You, not have to a, kill the, you have to kill the root. I learned about this last year. You have to kill the root. Not a lawn owner, but if you want to think of Wisconsin's offense in that way... I guess that works. They're, they're killing the root. Once it once the season starts and they're able to actually blossom on television in front of people in real competition against other teams, I could see in the beginning. And I don't know if Washington State is all that again. I need to go and look who they have back, but they're they're a real team. Clearly, we saw that last year. They have some talent. Nikki Watson. Yeah, uh, Cam Ward is back, I believe, but defensively, I don't know totally what they're going to be. But you still look at the beginning of that schedule, and it is, it's scorable games. As when the Badgers are really good, in the past we've seen them play some tough competition, like in 2021. Season just started off on a gauntlet, but 
this is one of those years where, yeah, yeah, you built the hype. You have to continue the hype with the season starting. You go Buffalo, Washington State, Georgia Southern. Like you can that's how you get the train moving. That's how you get the dandelions out. So there's your there's your thought to start the day. Zach, there have been a couple more spring practices since we last spoke since last Thursday. Saturday and Tuesday. What have we seen on the field? They're they're outside now, which is exciting. They're able to kick the football, which we'll get to. But when it comes to on the field, some some big thoughts, some big observations some storylines that have been continued. What have we seen from from the Badgers? Yeah, so two different, very different days, I would say. Let's um, start with Saturday. On Saturday, the offense, once again, Tanner Mordecai was uh, fantastic, once again. Um, him and Braden Locke, for that matter. But Keontas, Lewis, Jim Ray, DK, both had big days. Um, when I, you know, look at some of the plays that were made, some free plays that he was able to get Jim uh, Ray, DK down the side. They've taken, that. that is an under- the radar storyline that just keeps on popping up over and over again. And I have no idea if it's going to matter come fall, but it feels like I'm in green Bay. Sometimes the way that the offense has jumped, made the defense jump. Cause you know, they do the clap. It's the clap. And like, but sometimes it's the clap and look over. It's the clap and like, don't hike it. And the defense jumps and then you hike it. They've gotten so many free plays off of it. It's insane. I would hope that the defense would be better at that by now, but I think the pace kind of messes with them certainly does uh you're getting one clap one clap one clap and then all of a sudden you get one clap and the ball's not coming so that that's a that's a storyline to go along with the snaps those those two things have been uh if you want to talk negatives um you could probably put those at the top which if those are the worst things that are happening right now you're doing pretty well but Tanner Mordecai again putting the ball exactly where it needs to be and I tweeted this after the after uh after Saturday and I said you know I don't know how good he's going to be this year I don't but the way that the consistency that he played with for the last five practices before today was something that you hadn't normally seen in Wisconsin. Put the ball where it needed to be, didn't make mess, you know, didn't take chances, but still took advantage of what was there. And the ball was rarely on the ground when he was the quarterback or has been the quarterback. That has stood out. That continues to stand out on Saturday. Um, so, and, and Braden Locke had a bunch of big, you know, nice plays as well. That had been the case for five straight practices with Tanner Mordecai. That consistency to me was a story on Saturday and had been the previous five practices. And I knew as soon as I tweeted that, <laughs> that he would come back on Tuesday and not have his best day. And he didn't have his best day. Um, but it was the, the offense didn't have its best day. He wasn't the only one. There were drops. There were miscommunications route-wise. There were interceptions. There were catches that then turned into interceptions. We saw that video that was tweeted out by Wisconsin, a great play by Alex Smith on Keontes Lewis. Ball ends up in Hunter Wolder's hands for interception. So two different days. Offense had its day on, on Saturday once again. Defense had its day on Tuesday. Which I guess is okay when you talk about going through spring. Again, it's hard when when the team is playing itself. It's not like they're going and playing a different team where – where you're clearly wanting both sides to succeed. And we'll get into maybe some of the smaller concerns here in a bit, but the more I see about Mordecai and we spoke about this on Thursday, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, there is a more than 0% chance that he is the best quarterback in the conference this year. And I don't know. Well, he, he has a chance again. We don't know how good he's going to be. I don't know how big that chance is, because there are a lot of other guys that could be quite good. Maybe we don't know. 
or maybe guys around them have left the school. But there is a there is a chance out there that he is the best quarterback in the Big Ten. And I don't know the last year entering that we could have said that about a Wisconsin quarterback. Would it be Russell? Because I look back at yes. 2019, there was Fields. And no matter how good Cone was, I don't think he was topping Fields. Even though Fields had just gotten there, and we didn't know yet. But then as soon as they stepped on the field, it was clear that that wasn't going to happen. You can go back like, what, Hornerbrook and JT Barrett? Like, Barrett wasn't that good, but he he was a fine college quarterback. He was much better than Alex I, Hornerbrook. I would agree. The the older Braden Locke, or the Braden Locke before Braden Locke, if you heard Thursday's show, Hornerbrook. Hornerbrook, yes. That's what the comp is. But in general, like, I don't know the last year that we can confidently say there's a chance that the a real chance the Badgers have the best quarterback in the conference. And I think that may say, well, let's be fair. I think that may say a little bit about the conference right now. The it un, does. The unproven nature of most of the quarterbacks in the conference. I Which think, is good. I, I, for Wisconsin, yes. I think ESPN did their top 10 quarterbacks coming into this year. Oh, let's get mad at a list. It's not even mad at a list. I think it's pointing out my point about the Big Ten is the only quarterback that made the list, whether it was top 10 or also receiving votes, and there was about mm, 20 some odd guys that rece- uh, received votes as well, or in, in total. The only guy that made it was J.J. McCarthy. And he was, he was ranked eighth. And he is the singular known commodity, yes. at least at that close to what we think will be that level. Right. So, I mean, there's there are, you know, a lot of other good quarterbacks in the country. They just don't currently reside in the Big Ten. They're not in the Big Ten. They're not. Uh, but I shouldn't say, again, I can't say that. They may be good, but they're unproven, whether at their univer- current university or they're just too young to have been given an opportunity, whether it's, you know, the kid at Penn State or it's Tanner Mordecai or it's uh, Al uh, Kalik up in Minnesota. Like Cade McNamara. Cade McNamara. Things of that nature. Yes. <laughs> or they're playing with uh, an offense from the 1980s. Like, yeah, those the things of that nature. Yeah, Jeff Sims as well, or Casey Thompson. Yeah, there are a lot of battles to be won and a lot of unknowns. Right. But in the spring, again, and I've been a broken record for a week now. I think they're as well set up as anybody in the conference, maybe aside from Michigan and Ohio State because they're a given, going into the year, which is which is very significant. So then you see him excel at practice, and you see the passing game be great. And that does bring up the question of, is the passing game that good and is the pace that good and the scheme and all of the changes that have been made or is the defense kind of lacking in the secondary? Yeah. Before we get to this, I know yeah. you got a big, big point. I, a question for you. So there's a few transfer quarterbacks on this list. Would you have liked some of these guys over Tanner Mordecai? There's one name on the list that I would have liked. Do you more. know? Do you have you seen the list? No, I have not, but, but I know think, who it is. Okay, who is it? It's it's Hartman yes. at Notre Dame. Number seven. He's seventh. That was one guy that you would take over Tanner Mordecai. For the one-year stopgap that this is, yes. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Armstrong, a guy who Wisconsin did look at, uh, was among those receiving votes. Yeah, I'm out on him. He's a lefty. Spencer Sanders was another guy who ended up going from Oklahoma State to Ole Miss. I don't think Wisconsin ever was truly uh, interested there, but one of the transfer quarterbacks... He's also in a battle with two other somewhat high-caliber proven guys. Jackson Dart, I believe, who was already there. They, like, he might not even win the starting job, is what I'm saying. Uh, Devin Leary, 
the quarterback from NC State who ended up going to Kentucky. I like him. He was so, so injured last season, so it was really tough to to see. But going into last year, he was he was heralded, I think, close to a Will Levis-type player who could be an NFL guy. So I don't know. But, again, yeah, Hartman is the one. Yeah. Hartman's the one for me that I would take as the stopgap that this is for a year. And I saw a piece with on UWBadgers.com with Mordecai. said, what's your goal? What's your expectation for this year? He said to win a lot of games. You didn't even read the article. That's just what the tweet said. Yep. No, I didn't read the article. Yeah, I know you didn't. I, I saw the same tweet. <laughs> well, because I know, I know when you guys speak with with Longo and the quarterbacks that I'll get a lot more from it. Yeah. But I saw the tweet, and it was a quote. I, I saw this piece. So I, <laughs> I love that. I saw the piece. I didn't read the piece. You are you are the Twitter generation. You are, <laughs> you, you are the Twitter generation. You didn't say I saw the tweet. You saw I saw the piece. I saw this piece. Well, I saw the piece. I didn't read it. Yeah. No, that's amazing. But he said he wants to win a lot of games, oh, yeah. and I look at the schedule, and it's pretty well set up for him to do that. Where we stand, I the more I the more I project, and the more I look into what Wisconsin will be facing in the conference, and this ties well into the secondary to me. If the secondary is a concern, which I don't, I'm not that concerned by it, frankly. Yeah, they're in the portal looking for a guy, but I don't think that's all that. That's all that's surprising. And I think with the talent at safety that can help offset maybe a cornerback spot that that isn't as great as you would want it to be. But looking through the schedule again, it's like if they can't reach double-digit wins, I think it's a, a really, really big disappointment. And go through the schedule, I would probably say the first real passing offense they'll face, aside from Washington State, which could be one, is Ohio State which is October 28th. Like you're going kind of deep into the season to find that because it's Buffalo, Washington State, Georgia Southern, and then Purdue with a new coach, a defensive coach, and a new quarterback. That's a different Purdue than we've seen in the past. Do you think they're going to be going away from passing the ball? No, I think they'll pass the ball, but I wouldn't assume that they would be as good it's your guy, though. at passing as they were under Brom. It's your guy. I like Card. You loved Card. He but was that, the one that you wanted. Yes, for multiple years. But then it's Rutgers, and then it's freaking Iowa, who who might be fine. And then it's Illinois, who also is a new guy. It's like... So there's a lot even of unknown if, is what you're trying to well, say. Well, even if the secondary is a concern, they aren't going to be tested out of the gates. To me, the, the secondary is not a concern. Um, the safeties are not concerned. The quarterbacks are not concerned. The depth is a concern. Not at safety. That's the depth. The depth at cornerback is a concern. If you're going to tell me that Alex Smith... Ricardo Hallman and Jason uh, Matry are going to be able to play the entire season, not get hurt, and be able to play the entire season, I would feel okay about it. I would feel solid about it. But I don't think that's realistic. Now, maybe it's just that's the negative aspect coming into my mind, but injuries happen, right? Injuries are going to happen. They've happened a ton at cornerback. Alex Smith missed half the season last year because of that injury. So I think it's... um, because of the, the the hamstring that people thought he'd be able to play at the beginning of the year with. You need more guys there. There, That is where the concern, I think, lies. It's not that they don't have talent behind them. Jonas DeClona, Jace Arnold, and Avion Jones, and the other guys coming in this fall, there's talent there. They didn't recruit those guys for no reason. They didn't go after Jonas DeClona because they thought he was not talented. They put a ton of effort in to get him to come to Wisconsin instead of Cincinnati. Same thing with Amari Snowden. But asking those guys to step in and play right away... Is not great. But the point that you made about there not being a, a passing offense that's going to scare you, 
is huge because you're able to get some of those guys' experience before they do have to face Ohio State. Exactly, and you figure out what works because yeah. this is a somewhat new defensive operation Very that's new. being put put out. But if depth is the concern, which I, I agree with you, it probably is, that tells you why they're going out in the portal looking for a guy. Yes. It's not necessarily that it's a problem. It's that we aren't that confident with the entire room being able to operate as a unit throughout the whole season because you kind of have to plan for injuries. And this is Fickle inherited a roster that returned a lot of guys and has a lot of depth more so than you would expect for a new coach. But this is also a team that had all of their starting quarter corners minus Alex Smith graduate and leave. Yeah. So it is a room that was already shallow. So it's tough. Like immediately you come in and then, okay, rebuild this and expect it to be great. The thing about since about the guys that are coming from Cincinnati, the, um, the coaches, what kind of what kind of cornerbacks were they able to play with the last two years? Right, right, pretty good. Off the charts, like good. Yeah, one so, of them is the, the uh, NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, yeah. and the other won the award for the best corner in college yes. for that year two years ago. So they are also kind of real, you know, having to adjust a little bit as well. They're, they don't, they can't just throw guys. <laughs> they can't just throw the same defense and play defense the same way without those type of players. Um, so they're, I, they, the cornerback spot depth wise overall is not where I think they want it to be. And that's why they're looking for depth, you know, and, and guys in the transfer portal. It's not that they feel bad about the guys that they have. It's just, they need more depth to, in case some of those top guys go down. I also read a lot of positive notes about Ricardo Hallman from today's practice. Yes. Which Fantastic. is exciting. A guy with a lot of talent that played a lot last year and it didn't go great at the end what and did, then somewhat the disappeared end. Well, by the end of him playing. Okay. So like the Michigan State. Game. Yes. The, but the thing about that game was you go back to that game, those plays, some ridiculous catches, right? He was right there. Just got to make a play. Yeah. So it's, I think the the hardest thing to do is be there. You learn how to make the play and he made some plays today. Picked off Tanner Mordecai and Skelly on a throw that he should not have made. And then uh, nearly picked them off again on the next play and a little out to, to Chimray. Two really, really good plays. And, uh, a ho- you know, it was a host of them by that secondary today. A host of them. And it was Alex Smith and Hunter Wohler and Austin Brown and Kamoi Latu. I mean, it was up and down uh, the defensive backfield big-time plays. So what's also the biggest... What's the best friend of corners and coverage? A pass rush. Pressure, exactly. And I don't know if this team has Ivan Pace, who could have got who could get to the quarterback at Cincinnati almost instantly, but it is a roster that you figure, even without Nick Herbig, would be able to pressure the quarterback at least a little bit. What have we seen overall in practice from the pressure? Aside from jumping off, which is not great, but also I don't know how many offenses they'll face that is like this one. Maybe Ohio State is the main one. But what have you seen overall from the pressure, whether it's the schemed pressure or just the guys? Well, today was a pressure-filled day. And I think that may have played a little bit of a role in some of the – because they were having to get the ball out of their hands quickly. A lot of inside linebacker pressure. A lot of it. Um, Whether it's – That's my favorite kind of pressure. Whether it's the starters or whether it's the backups, um, guys are coming hard. Uh, Getting after it hard. 
Getting after the quarterback quickly. Yeah, yeah. No, Getting after have. the quarterback quickly. <laughs> Getting after the quarterback quickly. Um, That's exciting, though. It, well, yeah. They, I mean, it, it's a very exciting time. Uh, but, yeah, no, like whether – we know who their best inside pass rusher is, right? It's Jake Cheney. What he can do and just the speed and violence he can play with is great. But we've seen some of that same thing from Wilma John Menon. We've seen some of that from Jordan Turner. We've seen that from some, some of that from Tate Grass. So the inside pressure, I think, has been there. I think the outside is still a little bit of a work in progress because we haven't seen them just line up straight outside linebackers and let's get after it type of pressure very much. It's like, also a tough offense to do it against, I think. Yes, for one sure. One that has the ball out fast. Yeah, for sure. One that's based on tempo. Well, and that's why you bring the pressure up the middle because that affects the quarterback more so than, than the guy climbing. Like, climbing a pocket is very easy to do unless you have somebody coming up the pocket right at you like these inside linebackers have been doing. So today was uh, today was as much blitz as I've seen from the defense, and it's probably just that time of uh, spring where they're kind of installing that those packages into it. So I don't know if they're necessarily going to have that single guy like they did with Nick Herbig that's going to be getting after it every single uh, every single play or, or, you know, every single pass play. He's going to be someone you're going to have to be like, oh, my God, where is he and how do we deal with him? I think it's going to be a lot of manufactured manufactured pressure, which is completely fine to me too. I think they have guys that can win one on one. I think Daryl Peterson's a guy that can win one on ones, but and Caden Johnson for that matter too. On the outside, I'm saying, but I think the the inside pressure is going to be um, huge. Jake Cheney does. He is the guy you mentioned that that from that spot definitely feels like he's the best at it. I told you this off air before the show. TJ Bowlers, who has stood out and had a pretty good spring by all accounts, after go, gaining, what, 17 pounds in the offseason, if he is a hybrid between an outside linebacker and a defensive lineman, then Jake Cheney is the closest thing as a hybrid from an inside linebacker and an outside linebacker. Just because I think his greatest skill, from what I've seen, is rushing the quarterback, is blitzing. So that's a weapon that that you can deploy on, on certain down and distances, but... To have him on the field, that's what he can he can give you. Yeah, the thing about Jay Chaney is he's not a big guy. He they I don't know what they list him at, but he, whatever he's listed at, he's not that tall. I'm pretty sure they list him at what six one, maybe six foot six one. He's under six feet tall. Um, he has admitted as much. What do they have him at? Five eleven. Okay, well he might be under that. So, um, but he's he's got a burst. Right, he's he's got quick. He's got short area quickness. He's explosive, which helps you so much in rushing the passer. And we saw that last year with him. But um, had an interception of Braden Locke that in uh, on in Saturday's practice. So he is a weapon. And then we saw a little bit different usage today. I don't know if we want to talk about that now or talk about it after the break. Yeah, but. we'll talk about it when we come back. Got to step away. It's Kenny and Heilprin. Some uh, big news, actually. So we're done at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. The place is still great. Still go out there. We are no longer broadcasting there as of now on Thursdays from 5 to 6. For now. Right, right. At this point. Right. This week going forward until said otherwise. (laughs) We will not be broadcasting from there on Thursdays. We will, however, remain two days per week. We're obviously 6 to 7 today. We will also be 6 to 7 on Thursday. Heard here in Madison in La Crosse wherever else the show is heard. So still the same volume, just a little different time slot. 
We'll get out of Grant's way and have him have him do the true Kenny and Heilprin pregame show like is normally done on that program. So that's some some news to note. When we return, yeah, I want to get into the to the linebacking core. I want to talk big picture takeaways. What have we learned in general through eight practices, aside from the specifics that were seen both on Saturday and earlier today? So that's coming up next. There's a lot more to get to. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, we are back. It is Kenny and Heilprin on this beautiful, beautiful Tuesday. Welcome back to, to golf season. For all that celebrate, as Zach rolls his eyes. I thought it was over. I thought that's what the Masters wasn't the Masters like the last tournament of the year? No, it was not, believe it or not. I was I was out there two weeks ago playing. It was mid-30s, wind chill down to negative, tw- uh, not negative, down to 27. I was out there all bundled up. It was awesome, but got out this weekend as well. The sun's shining. I'm going to play this weekend. Are you? You're going to play this weekend? Makes me happy. Yeah, I'm going to play on Sunday. Okay. Yeah, we have that thing on Saturday, which maybe we'll get to a, a little later on in the show. But speaking of Wisconsin spring practice, there have now been eight of them. And, I mean, this ties into to Jake Cheney and the inside linebacking core and how Wisconsin will generate pressure, where it will come from. I guess we'll start there. We'll start on defense. Overall, big picture takeaways from the spring so far. If you could put yourself into the shoes you had entering, what on defense overall and about that specifically have we learned? Well, what were the biggest questions coming in defensively? It was the scheme, right? It was what's it going to look like? And I think we've got that answer. It's going to look like a whole hell of a lot of different things. Um, it's going to look like a whole bunch of different things meshed together. But I think that was the biggest question. Like what, meshing the elite. Everyone, we've heard that term used by Mike Trussell, heard it used by Luke Fickle. How do, how do they mesh what worked really well at Cincinnati with what's worked really well here? And I think we've gotten a little bit of an answer to that with that dollar package where you're using some of these outside linebacker type bodies in different ways. Um, I don't think we had a ton of questions personnel uh, personnel wise, except at nose tackle, right? Like who's going to be the guy that's going to fill in for Keanu Penton. I don't know how much they're going to be using a nose tackle, right? Like a true, like a true, true nose tackle. I don't know how often they're going to do it. When they do, it'll be geo Pius, but I don't think it's going to be something where you're going to use it uh, on a regular basis. And then as was, Who's going to step in a Nick Herbig spot and be that pass rusher? And I think as we talked about last segment, it's a situation where I think it's going to be um, a bunch of different guys. I don't think there is going to be a guy, a single guy that's going to replace that type of production, just like it wasn't a single guy who was going to step in and replace the type of production that you had from Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel last year or in, in 2021. It was a, going to have to be a group effort. Um, so I don't know. The, the questions, are there still questions out there? Yes. Who's going to step up behind the starters? at cornerback, who is going to be that guy pass rushing wise that's going to be able to create on, a, on his own. I think it's going to be Daryl Peterson, but we haven't seen it a ton. And um, who are some of the young guys potentially, potentially that are going to come in this summer that might be able to help him? Could it be an Amari Snowden? Could it be something like that? I think there are still questions out there, but I think the biggest questions were scheme wise, both offensively and defensively, more so defensively. And I think we've gotten an answer to some of that, though we found something else new today. Would you would you say you're content, quick, with those answers? Because we could get answers, and they could be 
not great answers. They could answer the question but not be a great resolution. Would you say you're content? Like, is it trending up? Is the defensive unit from where we started trending up in your eyes? Yeah, for sure. They haven't, I mean, look, it hasn't always been great for them, but it usually hasn't always been great for them with the second team defense. Uh, the second first team offense has made some like made plays, right? Made some, but it's more so making plays as opposed to giving up plays. You know, do you know what I mean by that? Like, yes, good coverage, and yet the ball still gets where it needs to be. Or you know, there and there there have been mistakes. Maybe there's been mistakes. There's plenty of them, but I don't. I, I think the first team defense has made its share, and I I feel better about where they were than I was heading into the spring. But I still have major concerns about the depth overall in the defense, specifically at corner, as we talked about in the last segment. But yes, are things trending up? Obviously. It's spring. Everything's trending up. Like what? Most of the time. There's also the springs where the defense looks lights out and the offense isn't great. Well, today, and the left t- tackle spot isn't great. Well, today. Or right tackle. Yeah. So today, but you, as you mentioned, like the offense last year, we were talking about how. There's five different guys outside linebacker could start this year. And it was because they were going against an offensive, like a tackles that weren't up to the, up to snuff in a system that didn't get the ball out of their hands very quickly. This system gets the ball out of your hand pretty quickly. You're not having to necessarily uh, pass uh, protect nearly as long. But if they're still making also- plays, it means that when they face the not great offenses, which they will as the season comes, that would then make them better against those. Yes, I will say this. A day like today where the defense dominates or makes a bunch of plays was the norm almost every day for the last three years. But that's why I said entering this period, I wanted to see some of that so that I didn't just go into the season knowing that the offense could carry everything and not knowing about the defense, knowing that there is at least a potential there for the unit to be quite good, maybe not to the level that it will be in a couple years, but still quite good. It's those things that make me almost as excited as Tanner Mordecai playing great. Because it was my bigger question. It was the equal turnover, but you go from Jim Leonard to, to Mike Tressel. And, and I think anywhere from Jim Leonard is inherently a bit of a downgrade. I don't know how much it is, but that's where the questions lied. So that's what makes me very confident about this season. That's why I throw out 10 wins as if they don't reach it, I think it's a big disappointment. But I also think it's practice eight of spring and it's April 11th and things change. Yeah. That's what radio is for though. I know that's what speaking's for. Also, we got a note, uh, Nicole Auerbeck put this out six days ago that the spring transfer window does not begin in May. It begins on April 15th, which is in well, four right. days. I actually knew that. Meaning that's before the end of spring ball for, for some teams for the, for the Badgers. Yes. So there could be it's about two weeks before the Badgers end. There could be portal entrance as spring ball is still going on. I would be surprised by that, but I shouldn't say that. There could be. That's stupid of me to say that. I'm I'm done being surprised about anything transfer portal or NIL related. So uh, when it comes to that inside linebacking core or Jake Cheney and and what we were getting at earlier and, and the pressure packages and the scheme. So I don't we don't know exactly what the, so we already talked to Mike Trussell. We already talked to the inside linebackers. So this is probably going to be a, a question for Fickle uh, when he talks on Thursday. Is this Packers where they had all three of those inside linebackers on the field at the same time? And it, they had it a lot today. And it meant uh, 
Hunter Wool and they had Jake Cheney where Hunter Wooler had been much of this year in that in that dollar package. So you, the dollar package for anybody unaware, two defensive linemen and then an outside linebacker, essentially as a hybrid defensive end, outside linebacker. He's on you know in a two point stance, usually TJ Bowlers, and then it's usually been two inside linebackers, Jordan Turner and Mumajong Meta, and then it was Hunter Wooler as the extra you know, linebacker, and then you had five DBs. Well, today, Jake Cheney was in that spot instead of Hunter Roller. Hunter Roller was a safety, um, was back at a safety spot. I don't know exactly how, what they want to call that or whether they're just throwing Jake Cheney in there to give him a shot. But to me, it feels like a, a change because why wouldn't, you know, because Trevion Blaylock's out, right? He's not taking part. He's sick. So maybe they're just moving Hunter Roller back to the safety spot because Trevion Blaylock's out. But then in that case, why wouldn't Daryl Peterson be your outside linebacker in that, you know, in that, in that dollar package. So I think it's an actual change. I think it's a, another wrinkle that they're going to be able to throw. And I think it's, it is part of their pressure packages to have him on the field with those other two guys and, and being able to do a whole bunch of different things, moving parts wise in, in the middle of the defense. Yeah. You're not going to take Woller off the field. It's a, when I hear that, I think of what are they trying to do? And if you're putting Cheney where Bowler usually is, not that Bowler won't have the ability to rush a lot. Again, I see Jake Cheney as a his best skill is rushing the quarterback. So that's what that signals to me. But we're also dropping into coverage there too. Like it's not just simply a rush the passer spot. But it feels like a general package that would lead more towards that. Whether it's a, a clear passing situation, you want to get pressure or whatever the case may be. And it's all, I mean, again, it's also possible that because uh, Jake Cheney has been out for stretch this, this spring with the, with a foot injury that maybe this is, this is the first time we had a chance to see it. Cause it's the first time he was available to, to be in it. I mean, he, he came back on Saturday for the first time. And then today was the first time we saw that package real quick before I, I have some thoughts on the word access that I want to get to when we come back, but okay. real quick, I, I think I know what the big picture offensive takeaways are. They're all the ones that we spoke about beginning the show, which was quarterback play and the potential and how successful they've been. And then every receiver we've mentioned as, <laughs> as, as we've spoken after practices, but it's really a question of, of potential at this point, because I think it's clear from everybody that's spoken about practice that this offense is going to be successful. It's a question of how this is not going to be a stuck in the mud offense that will have trouble moving the football when you really need to. I've seen eight practices and I feel confident saying that. Yes. I feel confident that they're going to be able to move the ball. I feel confident that we will score points. Tell me a time that Phil Longo's offenses haven't scored points in two feet of snow. But we don't know that. That's a good point. That's, that's a hypothetical. We don't deal in hypotheticals here today at practice. Today at practice, had a few plays that, that went for, for big gains. Quincy Burroughs had a touchdown. I mean, it, you could go, honestly, Ben, you could go a week more without seeing touchdowns for the last couple of years. That's, and, I'm yeah. not, and I'm not talking about red zone. Well, like red no, zone touchdowns is, are red zone touchdowns. Like that if includes you're start, Saturdays. If, if you're, yes. If you're, starting, <laughs> if you're starting at the, you know, the 10, 15-yard line, you're going to score a touchdown at some point. Yeah, it's a full scrimmage. Yeah, I got you. But, like, I, going the length of the field and making plays down the field, you could go 
you could go a few practices without seeing touchdowns. And uh, yeah, we we went some Saturdays when that wasn't I know you really made that the joke. case. I, yeah, I know. I, well, got that. I got that. That's what the reality was. So, <laughs> man, it's a it's going to be a fun team. It's going to be a fun year, just as it all unfolds, as we see the varying levels of competition come into Camp Randall or the Badgers visit, and as we see how the momentum is brought forward, as we see the dandelions flourish as we mentioned earlier. So I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. It's Kenny and Heilprin. When we come back, I, I have a couple of thoughts on the word access. The big difference, and this goes into overall takeaways when we talk about the coaching staff and the overall vibe of the program. What's been different between this year and last year? It has to do with that word. We'll talk about it when we come back. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, we are back. Kenny and Heilprin, this beautiful Tuesday night. The quarterbacks and offensive coordinators speak to the media tomorrow. They do. Which is very enticing. First first time talking to Mordecai, correct? It will be the first time that everyone's talking to Mordecai. Um, Yeah, and Phil Longo for the first time since January. So, yeah. Plenty of plenty of things to talk about with uh, both of those guys. And then also Braden Locke and Nick Evers talking for the first time. And for, Marshall Howe. For sure. Marshall Howe, QB3. Yeah, I've, I've read that, which kind of surprises me in the grand scheme of it. But after all we've heard about where Evers is, doesn't, I guess. So hopefully you just don't need to use quarterback three in a season, let alone quarterback two. But we'll mine, yeah. So I'm excited. Hopefully you use quarterback two because you're blowing people out. Right. So coming up on Thursday, we'll talk about that media availability. We will also discuss the Thursday practice coming up. I have a couple of thoughts on the word access, Zach. I think I was speaking to you about this a couple of days ago. So the camp, not your great podcast, which everybody should listen to and is coming out pretty much every day of the week, but the show, quote-unquote, the YouTube show, following Wisconsin off-season happenings, which did happen last year's training camp, is back. They released the first episode following spring ball. And by all accounts, because you spoke with the creators, the right. the people behind the, it. The creative media team. Right. Kelsey Sharkey. There's, there's going to be more there than there's been in those in the past. They never, Not, did, them, they never did them in the, in the spring before. More there than the than the fall ones, I mean. So there's that. There's all of the access we get of writers being at every practice for all of the practice. There are things that are being allowed and that are being put out that were not put out in the past. And I, I don't mean to rip anybody that's now gone, but, like, state secrets aren't being spilled here. The, the success of the 2023 season is not going to be completely ruined because writers were able to watch the entire practice and actually get a good grasp on what's happening in the program. This program's allowing everybody more access, which, A, obviously drives a lot of fan excitement, which is which is big. You have to win, but it's big to start. But, B, it's, I, it's productive for what we do. I think it's productive for the fans. It, it's productive to have a real understanding of what's going on in the program. Because otherwise, if you 
are shut out on everything, that's when everybody starts to develop their theories on things that are happening. And you can't come out and say they're wrong because nobody else is actually there to say what's happening or not. There's no sideshow here. So I, I think it's a great thing that's going on with the access. And it kind of shows you how stupid some of the previous rules were when it comes to not a, not a complete shutout, but a little bit more of one. To be fair, um, what they're doing now flies in the face of college football overall. Wisconsin has always, specifically practice-wise, been more open than almost any other school in the country. Um, that was, again, it was winding down. There was less and less as Paul Chris got further and further in his, into his tenure. But Wisconsin, like, there's a lot of people that don't get to see practice at all, or they get to see stretching, and then they have to leave. Um, so I don't want to sit here and trash what was before. However, I will say, obviously, there's more access for us in terms of being able to watch practice. There's also more access to the assistant coaches um, for the creative media team to be able to do some of the stuff that we're seeing coming out of there. Um, I think that there is more of a willingness there to do more because the head coach is involved in it. We, when I did talk to Kelsey Sharkey, she talked about that. Like Luke Fickle understand. It's not like he's a fan of doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's, he, no, he's not a fan of it all. Like it's not something he, I think he enjoys doing, but he understands the necessity uh, of it. Whereas I think Paul Chris did not understand the necessity of it or understood it and didn't care. Probably understood it and didn't care um, that like, which is fine when you win. And when you don't win, it turns against you pretty quickly. Luke Fickle understands it, and he has the trust in his team to be able to put together the type of stuff that they're able to do. So, yes, the access has been better both for media and for, I think, the people in-house to be able to work on uh, some of the stuff. And I think recruiting drives it, certainly. Like the, the work between the recruiting department and the creative, the creative media team is behind it as well. But they understand the importance of it. And I don't necessarily always believe, for whatever reason, the previous staff, um, specifically the head coach, it all starts with the head coach. And if they don't care about it or they don't think it's important, then it's going to fall by the wayside. And too many things, too many things, not just access related, but um, outward facing things fell by the wayside under Paul Christ. Yeah, and listen, I mean, things have changed over the last decade in terms of that even being a significant piece of what goes on in the world, let alone college football. I just, and there could be different explanations of it, but I never bought the one of the state secrets part of, of having to keep all of the X's and O's or things of that nature behind closed doors. I never bought it. I don't know if it was the reason that access was very limited. It wasn't. In terms of writers going? No. To, um, but anyway, I think whatever the reasons were, I think the result has become very positive. I think that they do a terrific job of it. When we talk about fan excitement, when we talk about even how does it benefit the players, you talk about the NIL opportunities that could come from these names becoming big at this stage or at least seeing more of what goes on. The fans love it, which drives what I've said, more excitement, which will result in... I think all positive things. Obviously, yes. they still have to win on the field, but this is doing all of the things off the field right, well, at least to me. Yeah, it's driving up entertain. It's driving up excitement, which drives up people's interest, which drives up the willingness to spend money um, on a variety of things 
the varsity collective, the tickets, whatever it is, the willingness to do that drives up if they feel like they're a part of it. And people feel like they're part of this right now. And I think, obviously, that is significant. I mean it more, yes, as a praise of Luke Fickle and the culture that he is in the middle of creating than a knock on the previous, even though it's been well-documented what maybe could have been done. But this is meant more as a praise for what is being done now because this is how you you succeed in this age. All right, it's Kenny and Heilprin. We're going to step away. Close it up next. There was a, a big-time recruit that was at practice this weekend that both Greg Gard and Luke Fickle are after. We have a couple minutes. I, I have a question about it when we come back. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, Kenny and Heilprin, we're back. A couple minutes until we're out of here. We'll be back on Thursday, 6 o'clock, 6 to 7, talking about the spring practices, the quarterback availability show, obviously available in podcast form immediately afterwards if you end up missing it live. Zach, Daniel Freitag was at practice. On, on Saturday, he is a four-star receiver and four-star point guard in the class of 2024 from Minnesota, heavily courted by Fickle and, more importantly, by guard. Is there one of the two you would rather see him commit to? I personally don't have a preference, but I think if you're a Badger fan... More uh, important. More important, definitely uh, basketball. Definitely basketball. He's going, he is moving, he's not playing in Minnesota. He's going out to Southern California to play his final. Where they don't have football. Thank you. Yes, that was what I was about to say. They don't have football there. So if that takes you, if that gives you any indication of which way he's leaning and what, uh, where he's potentially going or not potentially going to be playing in college, I think that gives you a very good indication. Which could be hopefully good he spent, if he commits. He spent 30 minutes talking to guard on Saturday. All right. Heck yeah. Greg Gard getting out to practice. He's caught up in, in more to coin. Fickle mania. He's been more practices nature. than you have. Yeah, whatever. All right. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for hanging around, everybody. See you.